0: hello
1: everyone welcome once again to a reason for hope very glad that you're joining us today hope you're doing well reason for hope in case it's your first time with us is an hour-long live broadcast which is guided by your questions on the bible we're streaming live to multiple online platforms and you can send your questions in through the chat functions and i will be uh, receiving those questions law billing loud and clear and we have some wonderful guests here who who I've been here all to, week. I've been here all week long. Yeah, same team. Must be getting bored of us by now. Totally uh, wonderful
2: but, guests that seem to not go yeah, away. That's right.
1: We didn't even invite them back. They just keep coming. I think they live in this room actually.
2: I know. No one invited me for half of the days <laughs> this <laughs> week on a reason for hope. You just, show I just up. showed up.
0: I have the paper trail clarifying last Sunday who was going to be available this week. Yes, and
2: I, I thought I was only on a couple of them, but uh, I just keep showing up here. That's what
1: happened. Same here, Bo. Same thing happened. To me, same story, <laughs> but anyway, wonderful men of the Lord who love the word and will um, delve into the word to find the answers to your question. So, it could be a question on a verse of, or passage of scripture, uh, maybe Christianity as a whole, or even other belief systems, maybe things that you think maybe contradictions in the Bible, things like that. Maybe something you're going through on a more personal level, um, something that you'd like to honor the Lord with, or just you know, would like to know what the Bible says about. Uh, lifestyles and that kind of thing really any any honest question that you have as long as you know that we use the bible to answer those questions that's what a reason for hope is all about so we're very glad that you're joining us and please do send those questions in on the multiple platforms we have i'll be going over those in uh just a moment but um With us, as has already made their voice known here, (laughs) we have Bo Willett. He's the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here, Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: gonna finish strong.
1: We are, we've had a wonderful week here at CCF uh, with VBS. It's a lot of abbreviations, but um, just over 50 kids here. and their families and just a great time so yeah certainly really awesome. it's uh, gonna miss it but also nice that it's friday maybe get a bit of rest over the next couple of days but also with us uh, sean richards pastor sean richards who's um here with us obviously very often we're <laughs> glad that you are you doing well today
0: yeah, had a memorial this morning, so while you're sweating in a inflatable space suit, I was sweating in a actual suit. Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs>
1: but we were sweating. Yes. Both of us nonetheless. How it did was that an go? Outdoor ceremony. Well, 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 well yeah. Obviously well, it's received a good message. More, so. That's good. That's great. Man, that's very that's very good. It's always good to share the word. Well, as I mentioned, the Reason for Hope is a live broadcast Monday through Friday, five to six PM. We are with you here in tucson arizona it's an outreach of calvary christian fellowship of tucson um so keep that in mind when you're trying to find us that will help you out uh to find us on these various platforms but so you can also go to calvarychristianfellowship.com that's our website if you're someone that's not really on social media or is uh, kind of boycotting it which a lot of people seem to be doing these days calvary christian fellowship uh, excuse me calvarychristianfellowship.com is our website You can go there. Have a little look around while you're there. We have so many events going on and Bible studies and of course services here on Sundays and Wednesday evenings as well. Um, But that Watch Live tab that you'll see right there, if you go follow that link, anytime we're live, we stream to there. When we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next show and you'll see a schedule of upcoming events. But when we're online, you'll see the video, you can sign in with a username. And then that's one way you can send your questions in through the chat function right there. I will be right there with you you will not be alone and i will receive your question there um, if you type in church, that's church in your address bar it will take you straight to that link or follow the link from calvarychristianfellowship.com as i just explained we're on facebook as well again look for calvary christian fellowship of tucson or facebook.com ccftucson and don't forget to like and share while you're there we'd appreciate that Um, But send your question in, in the chat box right there, attached to the video. And I will be checking those as well. We have an app for your mobile device. Once again, look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store, whether it's an iPhone or Android or iPad or any kind of mobile device. Check out our app. Look for that red background with the white Calvary Chapel Dove logo and uh, you can watch us live there as well and there will be other features on that app as well we have a channel on Roku and on Apple TV as well so if you have those capabilities look for us in your channel store and add us as a channel and that's another way you can join us we are live on YouTube as well the channel is called A Reason for Hope so search for A Reason for Hope on YouTube we are live there and also it's a great place for archive if you go to that live tab anytime we've been live it will archive there automatically so you can check out old shows uh, previous shows if you want to uh, you know re-listen to a question or maybe you missed a show and also our services here at uh, ccf as well our senior pastor he's been away this week he'll be back with us uh, this sunday and next week for a reason for hope but he's on twitter if you'd like to follow along with him on twitter scott r4h is his handle there scott letter r number four letter h <laughs> he posts highlights from the show and he Kind of commentates on world events, there's so much going on in the world um, as it pertains to end times and prophecy and those kind of things, especially out in the Middle East. And uh, he's a great source of knowledge on all those uh, things. And also some funnies and shenanigans and tomfoolery, as he likes to say. So Scott Richards on Twitter, Scott R4H, you can follow along with him. We're on Rumble as well, that's a relatively newer platform. We post videos there, we're not live there per se, uh, but we have archived videos there for your enjoyment. So look for a Reason for Hope Bible Q&A on Rumble. And we have an email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questions for Hope, all spelled out with letters, not numbers, at gmail.com. Send us your questions there. We'll be getting those as well. If you're joining us on the radio, Reach Radio, or one of the other radio affiliates, we're glad that you're joining us. Um, But you are listening to the last show that we did, pre-recorded, so that's the only place where we're not actually live. Uh, But use that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com and we will get to that question on our next show and then consider joining us on one of those other live platforms when it's safe to do so and uh, be part of the broadcast live. So
2: there it is. There it is. With yeah. all
1: that being said, now you know. Now, now you know how to find us and join yeah. us. And once again, please do send in your questions, get them in early so we can parcel out the time. And uh, we always see that if, you know if you have a question on your heart, I bet there's other people that have that same question. So you could be that brave person Send in your question. That's right. And bless others as well. Which is pretty cool.
2: And you know what's so. cool is that uh, Pastor Scott will be back in the pulpit this Sunday. And mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of funny, but over the years it's not funny, but it's just always interesting that over the years, you know, you get used to hearing someone share And then when you don't hear him share for a little bit you kind of miss hearing him share (laughs) (laughs) so it's like you want him you kind of want to get him back in the saddle and get it going and so it'll be nice to have him back on a reason for hope and yeah that's right um you know doing it
1: that's right yeah it is yeah for for sunday and for a reason for hope next week yeah yeah what was his uh his his message on um we're in act,
2: gonna, the Book of he, Acts. We, Acts chapter twelve. He's going to finish. Uh, I think, th- or, or get through the chapter, and it's going to be on uh, basically Herod getting eaten by worms. Separation of church and state. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be the uh, topic, and it should be a good one, especially for people that have had maybe thoughts about church and state, yeah. since that's a big thing in the United States for sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And we're we're a Calvary Chapel church here, and <clears throat> I think probably 100 or certainly for the most part. Uh, calvary chapels usually teach chapter by chapter, you know verse by verse chapter by chapter yep. book by book and yeah. the cool thing about doing that is that whatever comes up in the bible then we teach it yeah, you know right. it's not just topical what well, we'll teach about this and mm-hmm. we'll teach about gay marriage this week or whatever like whatever yeah. comes up it comes up and if it comes up twice then we'll teach it twice and you yeah know, it's kind of cool that way yeah i never i, I remember when i first came to the Lord, i didn't know you could use the bible that way you right. know? <laughs> i didn't right. think i didn't think you could you know i thought it was just you grab topics yeah. Um, but yep. it's, it's, that's the way we teach. So, so yeah, I mean, all those platforms that I explained, we're live there on Sunday as well, and you'll see archive services. So if you'd like to join us on our Bible studies, you can certainly do that. But why don't we uh, pause to pray before we delve into uh, questions today. Sean, would you like to pray for us? Sure.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Dad, thank you that we have the chance to be here. Please anoint Bo and I with your heart so that we can share it effectively and in a way that honors you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen it's that.
1: true. Well, I've got a um, got a question to kick us off. Uh, how does God guide and speak to us?
0: How does God guide and speak to us? Of course, a very broad, broad issue. Um, yeah, I guess let's start. What are the ways He can? Because the ways God will speak to us, I guess, are going to depend on what we're going to listen to, and He knows us individually, and also what we want and what we need. To hear from God are two different things as well. Uh, generally in Scripture there's three ways you can argue for that God would speak to someone at a particular time. For example, there was direct and audible communication, like the example we saw with Abraham. God appeared to him in a visible form with Moses, the angel of the Lord, made a direct communication with him and Joshua. These visible, sense-based appearances where they heard a voice, they saw a person, they were given that kind of direct revelation, and of course were held accountable for it. The second way is through providence that they would set things up in such a way where they would see their circumstances fit out, and this will align in with our third way through his written word, but in a way that lined up with what they knew God was doing and realizing this is the, I guess, grooven path, so to speak. This is where God's directing me. And they would take advantage of those opportunities in light of the fact that it lined up with God's word. The best example of this is in the book of Jeremiah, where he was in prison, ironically at the time, but his family member came to visit him and told him that their family farm was up for basically the redemption that was expected to everyone in Israel at that allotted time. They were able to purchase it back if they used it to pay off any debts. And Jeremiah thought, well, firstly, that's not going to make a lot of sense because I've been preaching for the last couple decades that we're gonna all go into captivity into Babylon, it wouldn't make sense to invest in real estate. But then he's like, wait a minute. I was also preaching that we're going to be brought back and then a remnant will remain. So wait a minute, you're telling me to do this, aren't you, God? And it says in the text, then I knew it was for the word from the Lord. So circumstances and providence tested by the third, which is his written word. We always need to test when people come to us and claim that God is speaking through them or to them. And that is, again, a fourth way, per se. And But it kind of lumps in with the idea of being a prophet, hearing from God, and being able to verify it through his word. His word is one of the ways that he speaks to and through people. But when we're told that something comes from God, we use what has already been tested to have come from God in very very unsubtle ways, like the time of Moses, where God's literally speaking from a mountain, to the more, I guess, homework-requiring days, like Jeremiah, for instance, and the people who were speaking in his name, they had to be tested and verified according to that standard, and people tested them according to what God had already written. So when people throughout history, and this includes today, are claiming to hear from God that should always be step one. There's always going to be someone who says, oh, I had a a visible encounter with the Lord, like Joseph Smith. Or, oh, this situation I think is leading me into where God wants me in life. And then you see people robbing banks in the name of God. But it's always going to line up with His Word, and that's the primary way that God speaks to us. So how is that done? Well, like the question, and I think the phrasing was, how does God guide and speak speak to us. Speaking is obviously in communication, but guidance is, I think, another important term because the Proverbs, note this, and the prophets of the Old Testament as well, you'll um, have basically this um, intuition, this connection with God to the point where, should I go this way, shall I go that, walk in this path. And that would be the way that they would fellowship with God, that he would be intimately involved with them again, like the time of Moses. So when we ask guidance, it's the same answer as when God speaks to us. Do I, and this is just acknowledging these things, have an emotional, a social, a, any sort of inclination, maybe even financial, leading where I'm going, does God really want me to go this direction? It's not going to be necessarily, okay, where's the voice? Okay, where's the angel? Okay, where's the—generally, God's going to lay out principles in his word that on that basis will Mm -hmm. give us something to work with and say, okay, if it's not that, obviously, it's not going to be robbing the bank. It's not going to be bombing the clinic. It's going to be in line with his character. What then is the line? Well, I note what God did. I know what the people who saw God did, and I know what they took away from the experience. In a word, it would be the example of Jesus, the lives of the apostles, and the positive example of the early church. But if we're put in a situation where it's really inconsequential or circumstantial details, that's where the Proverbs come in, which are also an opportunity for God to guide us in what we call wisdom, not Mm -hmm to know everything, but be able to make good decisions with the knowledge that you have. And the first and most important proverb is, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, And all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. The guidance isn't pushing, but it is making sure you understand, like those grooving paths, what road is gonna be with the least resistance, or at least with, and this is also key, the most support, because as we see, going back to Jeremiah, he had a lot of opposition, he had a lot of resistance, but it was where God had him. And that was something that he had to depend on God's word, his promises, and his involvement in his life to do so. So in tandem, does God speak? How does God speak? He can do so through circumstances, he can do so through direct communication, but he will always do so through and verified by his word, which is what you need to test the first two with. Does he guide us? He can, but he's also given us a brain and he expects us to use it. Mm. That's why scripture is constantly bagging on principles like wisdom, learning from Mm. positive examples and negative examples, recognizing this was what Jesus did and how can I model that attitude in this way? If we pull the Homer Simpson thing and go, I can't find any answers in here we've missed the point but if on the other hand we ask ourselves given what I know about Jesus what would he do in my situation right. that only comes from a relationship and that's the best form of guidance is an ongoing modeling of yourself after who you know God to be
1: yeah getting to know the character of, of God that's good yeah anything to add to that Bob?
2: Uh just simply put I think when I hear the word guide um, you know I just think of uh, a guide like a tour guide And you know when you're on a tour uh, and you have a guide that person's leading you Mm. and uh, and and they're informing you yeah and so in your life you you know this is what what the Word of God is to us the Bible says about itself that it's uh, the word is truth and so to be guided by by God, there. Uh, one of the main ways that that's going to happen, of course, is by knowing the Word. Yep. And so being in the Word, it doesn't mean that God can't guide apart from the written Word, because God can. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are many people who don't have the written Word at their disposal. Right. Yet, God supplies uh, the Holy Spirit, grace upon grace. Yeah in their life yeah and uh, teaches them that way and um but uh uh for thus us that have the word of god in our laps uh we really should be knowing it well yeah and reading it
1: yeah we're privileged to have it yeah yeah very good you remind me of um a pastor that i had years ago when i first became a christian there seemed to be a big pressure on like finding god's will for your life you know that it was a very specific path and task that's i mean i might put that pressure on myself but that kind of what i thought and um, i remember uh, my my pastor sharing his testimony that he he was applying for jobs and he was also applying for seminary and he got accepted to seminary and the same day got uh Except, it, except it's his job, <laughs> yeah. and it was a really well-paid job, and it was a company car and all that stuff. And immediately he was like, "Well, this is the distraction. You know, the, the, the enemy's trying to distract me from going to seminary." <laughs> and then he stopped and thought, "Well, maybe not. I mean, God needs advocates in the secular world." Yeah. And then he he just didn't know what to do. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, "I should go to seminary." Yeah. And he was just down on his knees praying by his bed every night, praying and praying. What should I do? What should I do? I want to make the right choice. And um, he said he was praying one night, and he and he felt so strongly the Lord say to him, you choose. You know, you choose. Mm. And the and the you know the the thought that came behind it was, you know, you're a big boy now. You've been walking <laughs> with me. If you go there, I'll be there. If you go there, I'll be there too. And I'll use you here and I'll use you there. And I remember him sharing that as part of a message and it blew me away, just that yeah. kind of choice, you know. And it reminded me, like you were saying, Sean, it's amazing, just getting to know the character of God, wisdom in his word. And, and being able to make those choices and that yeah. god's, god is here god is you know where can we go from the lord and that kind yeah. of thing you know even though i'm sure there are specific things where god's like oh, sure you do this sure this is the will of god right your sanctification but, um, but i love that too but yeah yeah well great stuff um question from a fan uh is there anything we can learn from Oppenheimer? is that how you pronounce it the the movie um Sean, anything, to you out by name, anything biblical about this movie? Have you seen it yet? Uh, thanks. And they, they're a fan of your uh, Shady Oak ministry as well.
0: They
2: and they obviously so. know that Bo has no clue about movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess so. Um, I haven't seen it. Uh, we're Our next theater going venture is going to be The Sound of Freedom first, because I mm. we know we've been getting questions about it, and it's probably going to be a decent movie. Uh, I don't have necessarily plans to see Oppenheimer, but I can give you a little bit of information, biblically, about where the historical event that movie's based on is coming from. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Robert Oppenheimer was one of the scientists that worked on the Manhattan Project that gave us the nuclear bomb. What's important about his contribution is that he understood the full gravity of what they had done, uh, basically summarized in his quotation from a Hindu script Uh, the Bhagavad Gita, where he quoted one of the malevolent deities of Hinduism. There's very inconsistent sources about who it was, but the statement is, I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. Now, this kind of, Hmm. I guess, uh, weight. Yeah, this (laughs) kind of weight of power put into the hands of men obviously shaped the next century and a half in that warfare was no longer who has the most firepower it was who is going to end the world first in the cold war going to hit the button And, and obviously it reshaped a lot of things but in that negative context we can also take a lot into mind not just about mankind's capacities to destroy himself and the development of nuclear technology but also noting and this is important as well the very interesting turn that his contributions and study in nuclear physics ended up doing in terms of biblical prophecy. Because for those of you who know as well, the time that the Manhattan Project was fully put into, I guess, uh, field testing was around the same time that the end of World War II was in sight, and one of the biggest contributions to the world at that time, on the prophetic calendar at least, was that Israel became a nation again. So just like we saw the nature of warfare shift, and all eyes suddenly went from bombs and bullets to that bomb, is either going to go off and we're all dead, or it's not going to go off and we're all going to keep each other in check for it. The same way is at that point in history, the nature of prophecy shifted as well. Because like we talk about often, most people throughout history were looking at their circumstances, their culture, the natural disasters, and sometimes, uh, I guess, phenomena that were taking place during their time and saying, how does this fit? Because it's so vague, it's so broad. I don't see how Israel fits into this. And then everything changed when we saw the most direct fulfillment imaginable of Isaiah, or excuse me, Isaiah, Ezekiel thirty-seven, literally shown right in front of all of us. Now obviously the founding of the nation of israel isn't going to play a prominent role in that film and obviously uh the event of israel being founded as a nation doesn't Least as much shatter your eardrums, but when Christopher Nolan's adapting these stories and showing us of the incredible things and the world-changing events that happened in their contribution, understand that that's also analyzing a time in history where things changed in a much more eternal sense as well. Because say all the nukes disappear tomorrow. We have to start from scratch all the nuclear scientists develop amnesia we go back to the old ways of war with sticks and stones it's not going to change the fact that god's promises are immutable it does make us look at the world and how scary things can get very quickly because of the level of technology and the level of i guess horror that we can inflict on ourselves now but in spite of all of that from the bubonic plague and people asking is this the fulfillment of the seal judgments is this an allegorical assumption now it's gotten real oppenheimer was another event in history where the nature of how the world dealt with one another the nations dealt with one another shifted And I think it's very significant that all of those things were happening at once. So if you liked the movie, uh, great. If you liked the effects, kudos to Christopher Nolan for, uh, I guess, risking leukemia on his entire filming crew. But the point of emphasis that I would put on that point in history wasn't a fan of Hinduism but the supporters of the nation of Israel that have continued to reshape the world in a much more significant way not in the bomb but in the nation of Israel and her fulfillment of Isaiah th- or Ezekiel 37 i did it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you have an interest in seeing the nuke film <laughs>
2: I, I, didn't even know, I didn't even hear about it, so I'm he, so out of He's the probably going
0: to go see Barbie instead. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even
2: know Barbie's out. No. <laughs> no. I mean, that's how bad I am. I'm more of a music guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like uh, you guys will be going to the movies over the next couple of weeks there's some pretty significant movies coming out especially Barbie but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll be discussing
2: <laughs> like that like as, as in the old like the doll Barbie yeah, yeah. and
0: oh. by the but way it's a li- you know it's a yeah. live action yeah. but there is uh, something biblical to talk about that to the director of the films overtly anti-Christian and purposefully made it a a polemic and a opposition a critique of genesis chapter two so mm. Mm. wow yeah. wow
2: there you go everybody's got a subliminal message going i know
1: yeah, yeah I, I go over my head a lot of the time <laughs> i know it's like that was a great movie and then sean's just like oh but did you see the undead line no the
0: director literally said this in an interview oh, really? it, oh, wasn't right. <laughs> it was <It's> a subliminal it was subliminal it's it probably <laughs> still got in my head. <laughs> I know. I know. Me too. Do yeah. you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> Name that
1: reference. Not so
2: much. It's That's the accent. That sound like Kennedy. How that sound it? like a Carter, Kennedy. Who was that? It
0: was a Jackie Chan film. Uh, That's all I'll tell you. That was way <laughs> off. Chris Rock. Yeah.
2: Well, that was close. way off. Really close. I thought anyway. it was Jimmy Carter or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we're moving on.
2: <laughs> it's okay. Just move on. It's just, just dissolving away here. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, let's see. Question from... Uh, Layla, we've got kind of two parts to it. So the first part, uh, should you use willpower for repentance or just use God's spirit? Basically, how do you stop sinning? What a great question. And bless <laughs> you, Layla, for wanting <laughs> to. How do we stop sinning? Is it willpower? I just won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Or uh, that's is it a gift from God? Or? I love that
2: question.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I thought you would. I'd <laughs> very, very direct answer. Yeah. Yes. For those
1: who don't know, Beau uh, founded a ministry, um, uh, uh, yeah. Running Light Ministries. <laughs> which is based a lot, around a lot about, about confession about yeah it's a lot around uh, sexuality and people who struggle with yeah well, sexual things me, pornography and that kind of thing but gambling you deal with that self-harm
0: a lot. drug use anything
1: me, yeah anything
2: let me, let me just first go to first john and let's just read this uh, let's see um it says in verse seven uh if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Mm. Okay, so this is might be radical to you, but when you say that, how, uh, how can we stop sinning? Well, the scripture says that if we claim to be without sin then we actually are deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't even in us.
0: So check that out for receiving <laughs> or receiving and achieving sinless perfection.
2: Right, so we, we're we gonna have to restructure uh, our thinking at some point and go, you're not going to be sinless. Right. I know it sounds good and we want to, that is the goal, but it, it is a goal of the Father, through the work of the son to sanctify us and we definitely have our part to work in tandem with the work of the holy spirit in our life there's no doubt about that but the scriptures do speak very clearly Uh, in jesus's prayer to us was that we are to be confessing our sins in our prayer life and so We got to kind of remove this idea that you're going to be sinless. If you think that you can achieve this and you say you're without sin, if ever you think you've finally achieved this sinlessness, then the Bible says, well, you've deceived yourself and the truth isn't even in you. So pretty wild.
0: Yeah, people usually look at, I stopped sinning in this area, and that was really all that I noticed as far as an overt sin in my life. So I've stopped sinning but then they discount the possibility that there's <laughs> something else going on in their heart, i.e. pride or vanity or something else. And, but.
2: and you know what's interesting is a lot of people don't even know, like, we're, we've, we've kind of fallen away in, in our life and our culture and uh, education and everything from just what um, what, evil, what the evils are. Like, for instance, there used to be the idea of the seven deadly sins.
0: Which, by the way, aren't biblical, but
2: yeah. But the i, but but the idea, uh, yeah. Meaning, there is no biblical passage that says seven deadly sins. Not that there's
0: big. six things the Lord hates, right. And he mentions lying twice, so
2: <laughs> right, right. But the idea is that there was a idea in culture of oh, seven deadly sins, greed, lust, this kind yep. of thing, and mm-hmm. and nowadays it's kind mm-hmm. of uh, it, it, people don't even know what those are. People, mm-hmm. meaning a lot of people don't even know the definitions of if you go up to people and say, Hey, what's envy? They're going to go, I don't know. It doesn't sound right, but it's, I don't know what it is. You know, people don't quite know what jealousy is. People don't know, like, how does, what does greed really look like? What is greed? And so I think because a lot of people aren't, we're not very aware anymore of the definitions Mm -hmm. of these, uh, evil things. Uh, or, or we've called them good now for so long that right. we don't see them as evil anymore, yeah. um, that um, a lot of us don't even know we're doing, we're sinning when we're sinning. Yeah. You know, we've, we've really moved that far away. It's really unbelievable, yeah. actually, you know? Yeah. But if you were to just get a dictionary out and you were to say, hey, write down some things, like, uh, you know, some biblical ideas, you know, like envy, like malice, uh, like hatred, and and you were really to, just to go through the definitions of these things, you would start going, oh my. I, that I, sounds familiar. Yeah, I think I'm doing a lot of these things. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. and, and then if you started working on those every day and you just looked at the list of those things, and there are passages in the scripture that give us a list, and um, then we would, realize that, boy, we got a, a long way to go. Yeah. So so the first thing we're trying to hammer, I think, o- away with this question is this idea of you, you're gonna be sinless.
0: Yeah, not so. Right. If yeah. you could work your sin out on your own through willpower, then our relationship with God is meaningless. Because if by willpower you could stop sinning, by willpower you could have never started either and it's the same way either way when scripture says that you're by nature children of wrath in <laughs> ephesians chapter uh, 2 in verses 1-3 it's not being complimentary the best way layla to look at this is first of all read the whole book of galatians but chapter 3 i think clarifies your question in particular is it willpower or is it the spirit in overcoming sin paul the apostle speaking to the region of churches in Galatia, we call it a part of southern Turkey today. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So there's already a dichotomy. When you received the Spirit, when you first became Christians, was it because you did the right things, or because you trusted the right one?
2: Yeah, was it because of your will?
0: Yeah. Mm. It was an acknowledgement of the truth, or was it you achieving some sort of virtue? Then he goes on to say in verse 3, and here's the key answer to this, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Now, obviously, this question is a hypothetical. Legalist groups would say it's a command. Of course, right? But when we're talking about Paul's point, he's building up and has been building up and will continue to emphasize this point as a completely ridiculous scenario. If I could perfect, literally to make whole or complete, my relationship with God through the flesh, then Christ died needlessly, the previous chapter said. If righteousness came by the works of the law, then Christ died in vain. That's right. what leads into chapter three. But if that's not the case, then then where does our relationship with God not only begin, but grow by? Hmm. It's the spirit. It's all the spirit. That's why in two chapters, Paul goes on to say the lust of the flesh and the Spirit are contrary to one another, mm-hmm. that you would not do what you wish. We know what naturally comes out of the flesh is, you know, adulteries, fornications, lewdness, corruption, envies, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I say before, and I tell you now, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. But the fruit of the Spirit, notice the Spirit, is love. And then goes on to give examples of what that looks like mm. characteristically. But here's the point, Layla, if we, could, we would have, but we can't, so God personally involved him in the process. It has to be through the Spirit. Now, does that mean that we just sit back and let the Spirit kind of do his little, you know, 3D reprinting of our souls, and it's going to take like 80 or so years or something? Just make sure you don't make any decisions. No, like we're talking about in wisdom, we're living out the Spirit every single day, Mm. or we're living out the flesh every single day. We're either feeding our flesh or abiding in the Spirit. But as we make these decisions, a conscious effort needs to be made, not by (laughs) willpower, but by the faith, the trust with reason, the conscious decision to say, Dad, I know I can really mess up my life today. Mm. I want to ask that you, by the power of your Spirit who's indwelling me, would instead fix it that you would lead me into paths of righteousness for your name's sake, like David said in Psalm 23, that I would love the things that you love, that like Jesus, I would do all things to please you. Only the Spirit through us can do that. And... As we have the opportunity, we should be doing that. But if we say, well, it has to be through willpower. You have to make the decision. The internet personalities and stuff like John Doyle is just like, come on, King, break that habit. Be the better person. You're this the you know, you're the Superman. You're the one who's gonna show all those beta males what for. No, <laughs> we're, we're all utterly helpless apart from the direct and daily intervention of God in our hearts. And if we deceive ourselves into thinking we're better than we are, then God's not going to be able to do what he wants in our hearts, and that's to make us more like Jesus. And if we want to be more like Jesus, it starts with the point Bo made, not lying to ourselves, and thinking that we can somehow achieve a state before God, apart from God, that is in fact him. We need him to act like him. And through him, what? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. But notice, not you who began that work will ultimately achieve it. He who, not you who, he who (laughs) began (laughs) a work in you. Make sure it's the spirit, but understand what that looks like. Practical Christian living, daily abiding in the spirit and asking God, what can I deal with today? What can I do through you today? What can that look like? Not just in what I don't do, which is the foundation of your Purity Group, mm-hmm. not to say no to sin, but to say instead, what can I say yes to? How can I pursue Jesus more? And that's, that desire <laughs> is a work of His Spirit, even on its own. Right, that's
2: right.
0: Yeah, it's really
2: interesting um, that when it comes to salvation, like uh, Sean was saying from Galatians chapter 3, it's a work of the Spirit of God. And this is found in uh, uh, other passages, too, in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Yet to all who received him, that means received Jesus, to those he believed uh, and those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, right? To those who believe in the Jesus. Children born not of natural descent nor of human will, right? Mm-hmm. Nor of the flesh, husband's will, uh, but born out of God. Meaning it's not of our will. It's born, uh, it's, our salvation is not from our own will. And we see this uh, even in 2 Timothy chapter 1 or another great passage. It says, um, Paul says in verse 8, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us, to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. Wow. Not because of my, my, some kind of will on my own, but because of his own purpose and grace. Man, that's amazing. Mm. God's own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Unreal. But it now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed an heir and an apostle. Wow, even before it says, wow, the beginning, the beginning of time, this salvation was brought to us. Yeah what <laughs> was I a part of that I don't remember that you know meaning it obviously can't be of my will I don't remember that event at right, all right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that saving event you know yeah. it's before time began wow so you were uh, just late yeah, yeah. <laughs> <totally>.
1: <laughs> should have been there Should have that's checked right your Google Calendar
2: you know there's a wonderful book uh, by uh, Charles Spurgeon on this um, if you've ever uh, read Charles Spurgeon, the, the the famous English preacher, but it, it's uh, I want to say it's called uh, Total Sanctification. It might be um, you might want to look it up. Spurgeon mm-hmm. sanctification, uh, book on san- sanctification. But uh, but uh, oh, it's called All of Grace. That's what the book's mm-hmm. called, All of Grace. Sorry about that, All of Grace. But that's it. It's about you know your you know. Uh, it's got to be a work of Christ in us, um, and, uh, and it can't be of him who wills, or of he that runs. It's got to be of the Lord, and uh, the Lord's got to do that work in us. Um, uh, for the grace of God has appeared to all men, right? What does it say? The grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching, teaching us. us, right?
0: Yeah. But denying
2: us. yeah, to deny worldly passions and uh you know in ungodliness right and um but that's what the grace of God teaches us right so the more you grow in your gr- in the knowledge of grace and Jesus Christ as it says in second peter grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord Jesus Christ the more we're going to be very much aware of our sin right and and we're going to bring those things before him in prayer confessing our sins mm mm-hmm. Uh, learning how to confess our sins to one another too, yep. and uh, and then, you know, being a part of the graces in the body of Christ. Yep. Meaning all the body of Christ, the church, is is made up of grace gifts from Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And this is what people forget: is they think that the the victory over sin is going to be won in isolation. Yeah. And that's not how God set it up. God set it up that we are dependent on one another so that we don't become narcissistic people, that we realize that, you know what? I can only grow within the body of Christ, you know? And so I'm gonna need the body, I'm gonna need the church, I'm gonna need to get up, and I'm gonna need to go, and I'm gonna need to invest time and everything, you know? In people.
1: Right. So, even though, like we've said, it's not, um, you know, it's a work of God, you know, repentance and it's a gift yeah. and that, but there is also a sense in that He's given us um, some things that we can do, like confession, like being in fellowship. Yeah. um That, you know, because some people might be, well, God hasn't delivered me from alcoholism, yeah. so I'll just wait, you know, I'll just keep drinking till He does or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there are things that we can do that He's given us to, to, uh, usher
2: yeah and, the, and those are all gifts those yeah, are all right. te- those are all the graces of god yeah. you know they're they're there to um to work in in a sense consort with the work of christ in us right you know
1: yeah it's a good way to put it yeah yeah and so the uh latest follow-up question which we've you know we've, we've skirted around it but sean you you quoted the the passage i think this is what she's talking about i think it was in galatians where there's a whole list of these sins and it says you know i'll tell you now that these people won't inherit the kingdom of god and yet we've said that we're gonna we won't be without sin yeah so what is that you know there's there's several places as i remember in the bible that says these people that practice these things won't inherit so what's the kind of the crossover to where we struggle with those things and yet we still will inherit the kingdom you know i mean is there a is it the struggle um, you know, the if struggles
0: sh- evidence of it. We wouldn't care about it if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. But two right. words make the difference between a sinner that's saved and a sinner that isn't saved in Christ. Yep.
2: Yeah. You, if you read, if you read a list like Galatians or other list in the Bible, and you go, "Hey, if mm-hmm. you know those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God," the answer is, "Yeah, that's right." Right. That's right, and that's right. And such were some of you. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter right. 6. But. But, it, but the next line says, does it say, but you don't do these things anymore? No. Is that what Paul says?
1: No. It says, but you were washed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
2: right. It says, but you were washed. How? By Jesus Christ. You right. came to Jesus Christ. Yeah. There, was a, there was a work of the spirit of bringing you to Messiah yeah. to cover over your sins. Yeah. To, to, to wipe them out, actually as far as the east is from the west. He has removed your sins. We don't just have a covering over our sins. Our sins are done. Yep. You know, they're wiped away. Right. And so, yeah, when you read a list like that, that's right. Anybody who practices sins is a slave of sin, Jesus said. And a, sl- a slave has no place in, in the house uh, of, of the Father. They don't have any place. That's right. Someone who sins is a slave of it. Yep. There's only one way you can be set free from the penalty of sin, and that is through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And that's it. Yep. And that's the only way that you're allowed into the house. It's not your righteousness that brings you into the house. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at another passage that really just drives this home, is found in Titus chapter 3. It says, verse three, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. It says, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But then you don't stop doing these things. It doesn't say that. Right. It says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. <laughs> saved us from what? Foolish, disobedient, deception, enslaving, like all kinds of passions. You know, this is what he's come to do, right? He saved us. How? It says, it says, um, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done. Right. Meaning, we, not, not even the righteous deeds we have done yeah. has added to any of the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it says, uh, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us genera- generously, so Jesus uh, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Mm. So, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> man, that is radical, right? Um, so you could see that Paul's answer to the disobedient life and to the life of rebellion and the life of all those sins is a washing and regeneration work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what gets you into the kingdom, and that's what's going to cleanse you mm-hmm. in your life. Um, and so, you know, that's the difference. Yep. You know, yeah. that's the difference. The Those lists, yeah, that's right. You know, but it just... You should be able to read those lists and go, yeah, that's me. Right. And then you should be able to go, that's why I need Jesus. Yeah. And then you go... And then the, the Spirit's work in you through Christ is changing your life. Mm. And when you see those sins come up in your life, when you see that jealousy, that fear, that insecurity, that discontentment, that resentment, that bitterness, the lustful inclinations, the greed, the, you know, all those things come up. What do we do? The Christian goes to God in prayer. The Christian seeks out help. The Christian seeks out the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, these things. And you know what? By God's grace, some things, man, fall off of us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amazing. And then other things,
1: Stick around. Stick around a bit longer. (laughs) That's right. Yes. yes, Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, we've got about four questions uh, left in about ten minutes or less than ten minutes. Okay. Go, Sean. See what we can do. Uh, Taylor asks, "How do we combat censorship?" He said he got banned from a community for merely quoting a, a .gov link, and literally none of my comments within. Uh, the multiple following conversations are visible anymore Uh, i'm no longer able to interact so um, how do we combat censorship sean i'm sure you've dealt with a lot of this because you're online with several channels and things like that and saying controversial things
0: (laughs) yeah i'm an instigator um bible (laughs) questions just a note but when we're talking about dealing with censorship obviously uh it's something we're going to have to get used to because it's only going to get worse. There was a man who was fired uh, from a teaching job in the United States because he dismissed his class for transphobia, and I quote, this was the charge before, before the school board, expressing Christian views in class. You know what the Christian views were? Telling a group full of women, good job girls. Now, when it comes to censorship, obviously there's people who are just going to say, hey, you follow the platform, obey the rules. The rules are being more and more arbitrarily enforced. Lawlessness is abounding. The problem is, are we going to fulfill the second half of that verse in Matthew 24:12, in the love of many growing cold? There's a temptation whenever opposition to truth comes along, whether it's in physical opposition, financial, social opposition, those sort of things, silencing, bullying, the abuse of power and so forth. And they're going to want to put this forward as a hint to you to want to just go along, to get along, to not uh, poke the bear, so to speak, or maybe to inflame you a little bit, to prove true a caricature of Christianity where you're all just a bunch of leftists with picket signs protesting at uh, military funerals and so forth. The reality is that where you have the opportunity, shine the light of Christ. If that opportunity is closed off to you, understand a legitimate injustice is being done, but that they'll answer for it. Don't be cowled by it. Can we combat censorship? We can, but there are political and uh, social channels that will do a much better job of explaining how to do that. Our job here is to point you to God's Word, and the best way to deal with censorship is that if it comes, understand that the legitimate anger that comes from that and the injustice that oftentimes is motivating that level of censorship will be something they answer for to God, but it also shouldn't be something we fear because the Roman Empire also censored the Christian church, yeah. and we're still here. Yeah, the, I, I,
2: I was. I, you, you went right into 1 Peter. Yeah. You know this wonderful passage but it says live as free men but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil live as servants of god show proper respect to everyone love the brotherhood believers fear god fear god and honor the king and that's true you know the christian life you might want to read first peter um and read it and and then think about your situation and you'll be kind of blown away i think
1: Mm, very good great thanks i hope that helps you out a question here from mac d uh, the prodigal son and the self-righteous son both had problems in different aspects. Mm-hmm. One thought he did the right thing, the other rebelled until he knew he was lost. What can be taken from this story? There's so much to the prodigal son's story actually, every time I read it.
0: Well, there's one thing to the prodigal son's story. It was a jab at the Pharisees. The audience of one of three parables, the prodigal son's two sons, were... Uh, the third of three, in order to emphasize a point that starts the chapter. Those who trust in themselves to be righteous and who are bitter towards people who are being drawn into the kingdom. The lost coin, the lost lamb, and of course the lost son. The fact that the second son is how the prodigal son parable ends shows that was actually the son that was lost. Because the one that was redeemed back into the home, Well, we already knew that because the heart of the father is shown by jesus the pharisees were resentful were bitter were not sharing the heart of god and left the father's house why because he was restoring the tax collectors the prostitutes the people unworthy of it the point of emphasis of the parable it's a great illustration artistically of the heart of god in action but again we have that elsewhere The point of the prodigal son parable is that the Pharisees were the prodigal son, not the first, the second one, because they were leaving the house of God not because of overt external sin, but a heart that hated God's desire to forgive the sinner, which of course they weren't. So note the point of the parable, it was intended to an audience answering (coughs) a objection by the Pharisees, an objection by the Pharisees, in order to dismiss his credibility for associating with sinners. God would have, have anything to do with sinners. And mm-hmm. Jesus' point was that that's all he's about because that's all he has to deal with. Yes. And that was one of three illustrations that pointed that out. Yeah. Very good.
1: Great. It's a great question. Hope that uh, helps you out, Mac D. there. Um, question from Renee: uh, if Moses, this is a great question. Uh, if Moses wrote the first books of the Bible, how did he know about Adam and Eve? And so on.
0: Obviously. He got the first three books of the Bible on the mountain of Sinai. He wasn't uh, just, you know, whistling in a corner for those forty days he spent with the Lord. Can we get to a JX disciples question because that's a really good one?
1: <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: They're all really good questions. want yeah. They <laughs> that out there.
1: <laughs> they are all really good questions. Yeah. We had a question. Jack's disciple who is the young man in Mark 14:51 and 52
0: yeah let me read this because I want to give this one time Um, 51 to 52 a certain young man note the language a young man followed him that's Jesus as he's being taken away the disciples have just forsaken him and fled in verse 50 having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body note the intentional language there. I don't think we need to understand someone is naked underneath their clothes, but the type of clothing, the fact this young man is following after Jesus, and then what? When the young men laid hold of him, he left the linen cloth and fled from them, that is, the ones that were taking Jesus away, naked. Now, already we have a in picture in the Gospel of Mark which entire books have been written on as far as its significance. Now if you read Matthew, you're going to get a Gospel account that focuses on a Jewish audience. It's all about Old Testament prophecies, these things were done that it might be fulfilled, so on and so forth. Luke has a more Gentile audience. He's going to regard the genealogy of the woman, of Mary in particular. He's going to focus on medical aspects. He has a historian's eye, so he looks at Jesus through that lens. John wants to emphasize the deity of Christ. Mark was written as the memoirs of the Apostle Peter, who is steeped in Jewish culture. And there's several books, one of which uh, I could recommend, but we don't have too much time, uh, that basically makes a point of emphasis on the Gospel of Mark is essentially the Exodus 2. It's Jesus being the fulfillment of what Isaiah predicted in the new Exodus that the Messiah would fulfill, something that would put the first to shame. Now, what's interesting about this is that not only if you read Exodus and Mark side by side, you're going to go, this is very interestingly structured. But all of the themes and pictures, not just of this linen cloth, but even the material is significant. Why? Because the priest would wear linen mm-hmm. exclusively. And there was heavy penalties if you wore anything but that it emphasizes and never identifies this young man apart from the fact he's wearing a linen cloth and calls him a young man now keep that in mind I got about a minute you go to the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark and what are we told after Jesus has risen from the dead this is in verse 5 when the women come to the tomb entering the tomb Mark 16 verse 5 they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed but he said to them do not be alarmed you seek jesus of nazareth who is crucified he is risen he is not here see the place where they laid him now if you read the parallel gospel accounts you'd know there were two men there kind of noting the picture of the ark of the covenant but mark singles out this man clothed in the white robe for the same reason he singles him out beforehand some think oh that's mark denoting his presence kind of like as a wave, you know, hi, I was there too kind Mm -hmm. of thing. It's speculation at best, but I think in the text itself, that's the point that's being emphasized. This angel that was sent to comfort Jesus also mentioned in the passage shows a picture of him being taken away in shame, stripped naked, and then returned in glory when he appears again at the resurrection. That's who I think the man was, an angel.
1: Boom. Booyah. Oh, thank you, Sean. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being with us, A Reason for Hope. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday, if not before. God bless you guys.
0: You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com and be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.